tell you, Scripture is amazing. It'll just blow your mind the more and more you read it. And I highly recommend you keep reading it. Well, men, you know, I just want to say this. Our, our men's Bible study starting Monday. So let me encourage you to be there, whether online or in person. It's going to be a good time. How to be a godly man. I think that's something we can always use. Amen? Amen. All right, and let me encourage you to read the Word of God, especially in light of today's message. Go ahead and read Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. Look on that, chew on it, share it, delve into it, memorize it if you'd like. As truly it is, it is the, the heart of the gospel, what you have there. So let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today uh, asking for your continual blessing upon our lives. God, we haven't done anything to deserve it, and yet you freely give it. God, just help us realize it. Help us promote in us to ask more blessings and more realization of, of what you're doing with us and the world around us. Lord, help us see that you are working. God, we, we ask that you also uh, help us, Lord, to see the sins in our life so we can repent of them. God, we, we try to justify our sins all the time. God, help us to stop justifying them. To, stop, to start laying them down and asking for forgiveness, Lord. So we just trust in you and stop trusting in ourselves. God, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. God, I pray that we can be bold in sharing the hope that, we, that there is a God who loves sinners. That's not about our performance. It's not about how good we are. It's about who we trust. And that's Christ. Lord, that sounds so loony to the world, but God, that's where the power comes from. Help us, Lord, to remember that. It's your son alone. God, be with all the churches that are meeting. Again, Lord, we just, again, bring them before you. And, and just, we pray that today be a day that your, your name is magnified even more. And we realize that. And be with us too, Lord, as we just go about your message and fill us with love, hope, and peace so we can continue, continually and consistently live out the faith before you and in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, the gospel, the gospel message is one that is meant to give hope and, and freedom and, and peace to everyone who believes in it. You know, the gospel is, is truly this good news. It, it declares that there is rest for our souls and rest for our minds and, and rest for our hearts. You know, it says there is, a, there is freedom for us, there is forgiveness for us, and there is true love for us. You know, it says that there is true life for us that we get for eternity. So we no longer have to fear death. We no longer have to live our life in response to the fear of death. We no longer have to live in fear of what man can do or what nature can do to us. For the gospel, if we accept it by faith, has freed us from that. It also says we have been freed from the power of sin. It says that if we live by trusting in the gospel message, that we no longer have to worry about the punishment from God while we live on this earth or when we meet him face to face. 
So we no longer have to worry about our failures that haunt us at night. No longer do we have to worry about our past mistakes. No longer do we have to worry about our performance before God in the future. The gospel says that our sins, no matter what they are, will not be held against us if we place our faith in Christ because we have been completely forgiven. For when we placed our faith in Christ, his perfect life covered your imperfect, failing, and sinful life. His death paid the debt that you owed with your death. And his coming back to life by his resurrection gives you the new eternal life that you could never get or keep on your own. You get this all by faith in him alone. This this great news should, should impact us, should impact our lives in how we view the world around us and how we interact with the world around us and how we interact with each other in the church and how we interact with our family members and how we interact with the non-believers in our life. You know, it should change the way we view ourselves and deal with our own problems like our bodies breaking down or our own personal inadequacies. You know, the gospel frees us from trying to earn things from those around us, like their love, trying to earn their love and trying to earn their respect. It, it frees us from trying to manipulate people into thinking we have it all together in our homes or in our personal lives. You know, it, it, it frees us from trying to hide the, our, our mistakes that we've made in the past or maybe the mistakes that we're trying to fix right now. It releases us from carrying this heavy burden of wanting to look good in other people's eyes so they can think we're something and find security in what they think of us or how they view us. The gospel releases you from finding your identity and your worth and your meaning in other people. It frees you because you find all those things in Jesus alone. And by doing so, you are free from trying to obtain these things from other people around you. And rather, you are free to give to those people around you. Free to invest yourself into others. Because the very things like love and respect and worth that you were once trying to get from people or earn from people, you now have an unlimited supply of by faith in Christ. You can now love people regardless of what they think of you or do to you. You can give respect and dignity to those who think little of you and do good to them because of what Jesus has done for you. You can be gracious with people, giving them unearned love and unearned favor and respect despite what they say or who they are because you have all those things in Jesus and that will never go away. The gospel frees you from focusing on self, you know, the self, because the self, you, is com- you're completely taken care of in Christ by faith in him. He's got you covered completely, so you're now free to invest in others so they too can know the joy and the love and the comfort and grace that he gives by faith in him. You are completely free to be completely gracious with people, no matter how evil or how bad they may be, because Christ is completely gracious with you by faith in Him. Now, let's be honest, or at least let me be honest with you. 
living in this way in response to the gospel of God's grace seems like a hard thing to do because all those things I don't want to do. And you're right, it's hard to do if you do it by yourself on your own. You can't live this way on your own. You could never in, do it in the first place. And, but the issue is, is we think we can, and that's what causes so many problems in our life. When we think we can do it on our own, this is why we get so stressed when things don't go our way. We're like, I was loving to you. I was caring for you. I gave you all the grace in the world. And what do you do in replace of that? What's wrong with you? We get bitter when people don't respond the way we want. We become defeated when we don't act the way that we want to in situations in our life. Because we think it's all on us. And guess what? The world is good at exploiting that in you. Our sin is good at exploiting that in us. Exploiting our own personal obsession with self-improvement, self-strengthening, self-righteousness. Exploiting the, I got to fight this because if I don't, I'll look bad. I'll look weak. I'll, I'll look incompetent. I got to handle this on my own. It's up to me, 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 me. And the world goes, yes, 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 yes. It's all up to you. That's right. It's up to you. Yes, it's all on you. And we end up just focusing on self then because we forget to truly and fully rely upon the Lord for all things because we forget how truly weak we are. We always think we're, we're strong enough, and you're not. That's why you fall into sin. And the gospel then just becomes a Sunday thing, not a life source thing, not a cornerstone of everything you are thing. So we fall back into being tyrannical in our relationships, fall back into fearful responses in our words or fearful responses in our life choices. We fall back into judging people, being self-righteous, thinking we're better than others or more spiritual than others because we buy into the lie. That's how you get things done. That's how change happens. That's how you make a difference in the world. It's by you doing it all on your own. It's you. So how can we then not fall back onto those, that way of thought, onto those things? How can we leave that way of thought, those old ways of life behind? And not get caught up in this self and rather get caught up in freely investing into others for real change and real hope. The answer is always going back to the gospel message every day. For the gospel is not just for unbelievers, but it's for believers as well. For we sin just like unbelievers. But the difference is, is that we believe in Jesus and we have been forgiven of our sins and are now free in him. That's the difference. You just realize your sins and realize you're a sinner. And we need to be reminded of that every day. So as we continue then going over Paul's prayer here in Ephesians chapter 1, today we're going to look at verse 18 and see Paul praying for this very thing for the Ephesians. For Paul, uh, for Paul wants them to, to, as our title says, go deeper into knowing the gospel truth. Or really going deeper into gospel truth. So consequently, then, by doing that, by going, by, uh, for them to go deeper into knowing the gospel truth, 
they can then consequently live boldly and fearlessly and graciously in a world that is wretched and chaotic. So we're going to look at the text. Paul continues his prayer in verse 18. It says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Now, remember, Paul, the, the people that Paul is praying for, they're already Christians. You know, they already have faith in Christ. And yet Paul is praying for them to have a continual growth in their faith in Christ. Or, you could say, a continual enlightenment in seeing just how much they depend upon the Lord for everything because He truly does everything for them. And this brings us to our first point of go deeper into the gospel. Truth. The first point is this. You do this by asking for deeper awareness of your changing. With Paul referring here to the eyes of your heart, he's praying that the whole person, the whole you, your your mind, your emotions, your will, to be more opened more and more every day in seeing the Lord's truth play out in your life. He's asking God to let them see his hand at work in their life and to have them continually be changed by it the more they see it and more they experience it. Because the more and more you come to know who God is and what he has done through Jesus, it has consequences. It changes you. And Paul is praying that people realize that, realize the change more and more every day and yearn for it. He's praying that they are looking for it and asking for it. And and what would be some of those changes you might ask? Well, for example... You start to have a sorrow for sin that you once didn't have before. You start to realize and and be convicted of sins that you didn't even realize you were doing in the first place. So you end up repenting of them as a consequence of learning more and more about the Lord and trusting in Him and His ways. See, the more you open yourself up to knowing your God, open yourself up to praying to Him more, open yourself up in spending more time with Him, it naturally lets you see the kingdom at work around you and within you that you at one time could not see. Jesus speaks about this in John 3, 3. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But guess what? Now you can if you have faith in Christ. Now you can see how it affects you, for you have been transformed. You have been given sight. You can see how it is growing around you and within you. We just have to pray to God to to help us see it more and experience it more. To focus on God and, and rely upon Him for us to see it. To live in light of this gospel of grace in our life. See, this enlightenment doesn't come from you. It's not an intellectual thing. It's not not a a how smart are you thing. This spiritual insight, uh, this this depth, spiritual awareness is not something that you muster up within yourself. This clear understanding of who God is and what he has done for us is not something we attain for, for, for ourselves. This maturing and, and understanding in our life 
in light of the gospel of God's grace, is not found within you, but from God changing our minds, our hearts, and our emotions. Changing you. It comes solely from God changing you, and that's why Paul is praying for it. We need to pray for it ourselves and pray, and pray for each other so we all can see it more in our life. See, God changed us by faith to be open to him. And it is through faith we grow in him. The way we are saved is the way we grow through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, for example, when we come to the Bible and read it, we don't just read it to know facts. We, just, we don't come to read it to know positive phrases to spout throughout the day. We should, by prayer and faith in Christ, Ask God to reveal himself more through his word and to reveal his ways to us and teach us to abide by it through his power as we place our faith in Christ. Asking God to enlighten or change our minds and change our ways through his word by faith in Christ so we can go throughout our day in the constant remembrance of the constant presence of the Lord in our life and his constant communication he has with us. So we just need to always go to him and he will willingly give us this enlightenment to us. For it says in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But we so often don't do that. We would rather bear this world's problems and our own problems on our our own. We would rather focus on everything else and let so many other people and material things direct our lives and direct our minds and hearts into things that don't matter, that will amount to nothing. And then we end up becoming prideful and more angry or worried and more fearful and definitely less gracious with each other and ourselves. Because it's all on us. We forget Him. So Paul is praying for this enlightenment to continually take place within them. And since he knows their struggles and what the problems they were dealing with, he prayed specifically that they would be enlightened to two things in this verse. And the things that he prays for here are things that we need and should pray for to go deeper into knowing gospel truth. The first thing is in Ephesians 1.18, he says, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. And this brings us to our second point. Go deeper into knowing gospel truth by asking for deeper awareness of your hope. To put it simply, Paul is wanting us to know the hope of his calling, God's calling. Paul is saying, look, the gospel in which you believe says there's a call upon you. Your life now has a new direction. There is a destination into which you are going. There is a place in which you are leaving. God has called you out of the world to see this place truly for what it is. It's death. The world is death. And you have been called out to life, an eternal life, by faith in Christ. So the hope that Paul is saying here is not being optimistic or a hope that things are going to turn out well. The hope that Paul is saying is a certainty of what there is in heaven for us, mainly Christ. And knowing that, that Christ is up there, gives us hope in this world to not be overcome by the world. 
knowing that Christ is alive and he has defeated sin and death, this gives us hope or confidence that the power of death will not defeat us and will not leave us in the grave and that our sin will not hold us back from entering into heaven. This hope of his calling is that Christ has done everything required to have a right relationship with God and that he is able to maintain that right relationship with God for us through faith in him, even as we sin and mess up before him. We grow in hope when we look to Jesus and know that because he is alive and well in his physical resurrected body in heaven, we grow in hope knowing that is what lies ahead for us. That we will have a resurrected body like His. Be in heaven like Him. Where there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more hate, no more fear, no more sin. Just peace, love, joy, and grace. The more we pray to know this hope of the gospel, being with Jesus forever affects us now as we live, or it should. Because we're focusing less on ourselves and more on Him. By looking to this hope, we consequently die to ourselves and live abundantly in Jesus and His finished work for us by faith in Him. So fear and worry and, and, the, uh, and loss and division and strife and hate all become so small in this world and almost meaningless to you Because you're too busy thinking about what's up there. You're too busy looking into and learning about eternity with Jesus Christ that this world becomes minuscule and its problems become minuscule in comparison. And that by default changes your values. It changes your desires. It changes your heart. Like, for example, things and events in our life are no longer seen as ends in themselves. So we get all distraught when they break or become just destroyed. But rather, you start, when you start to funnel everything in light of eternity, in light of knowing and being with Jesus, it naturally has a consequence for us to become more and more detached from this world, detached from our sin, and to start seeing things and events as bringing us one step closer to getting to heaven where Jesus is, where nothing goes wrong, where nothing breaks, and nothing breaks including our hearts. Just as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20 through 22, but lay for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Enlightened! Our treasure, for our context, our hope, is to be with Him rather than the world. Our treasure, our hope then, is in Him rather than the world, rather than in people, rather than in money. Our hope is not in money. Our hope is not in retirement. Our hope is not in education. Our hope is not in in government. Our hope is not even in the medical field. It's Jesus. 
So then when the item breaks or our bodies break or when events go wrong or when things in our life fall apart, it just becomes a bump in the road that we roll over rather than a ditch we crash in because we know where we're going, we know who has a hold of us, and we know what's lying ahead for us. We need to pray for ourselves and others that we as a church will grow in the hope of his calling more and more every day so we can watch the straps and chains snap and break over us as we move forward by faith in God's gracious calling over our lives. And when some of us get caught, we can run to them and point them to Jesus saying, Just keep looking upon him. He has a call upon you. This too shall pass. You'll soon be in eternity. This struggle, this physical problem, this emotional issue, this broken relationship, this financial situation, this work situation, this sin that keeps popping up that you just hate and you can't get rid of and you hate it more and more every day. Soon it will mean nothing to you. This world is broken by sin. Our bodies are broken by sin. But this world is not your home. So keep going. Just keep your eyes on Jesus and you'll fill your heart with hope and get you through it. So stop placing your hope in other things and in people and stop placing your hope in yourself. Place all your hope in Christ. This is what we need to pray for each other to be enlightened to that. Oh, God help us do that. Seems we want to be enlightened to everything else in this world rather than Christ. Paul then prays and continues that we are enlightened to what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, when you read this, you, at least me, I can, you can almost see Paul's grin as he's writing this. The smile of him just picturing this in his mind. Why would I say that? Well, by saying glorious riches, these words have deep meaning like greatness of wealth, radiant value. So you might say like, yeah, so? Well, my friend, what Paul says here is something that should make us pause everything in our life, if, if at least for a moment, and just... Soak it in. Notice here that Paul does not say the riches of our glorious inheritance. He does not say the riches of your glorious inheritance. No, Paul writes the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. His is God here. And this brings us to our third and final point. Go deeper into knowing gospel truth by asking for deeper awareness of your value. Paul, put simply, is speaking about knowing more of the riches of God's glorious inheritance of us. The wonders of that small verse that God is looking forward to to having us in heaven with him for eternity. God loves sinners such as you and I and wants 
us to be with him. In a world where everyone seems to be ashamed of everyone, ashamed so much that people disassociate with other people because they don't do things like we do. They, or they have made mistakes that are wretched. Or they view things differently in politics. I've seen families torn apart by that. Or simply, I don't like their personality because they make me feel disrespected, so they disassociate themselves from others. That's not how, that's not how God is with us by faith in Christ. Rather, He wants us and is overjoyed to have us with him. And that should melt your brain and melt your heart and drive you to repentance. Because when you think about it, for all the, of our judgment towards each other, for all the thinking we're better than others, all of our selfishness and self-righteousness of placing our own needs above others, and not being willing, willing to listen to others and, and, and see what they're talking about and give them some type of benefit of the doubt, but just to automatically demonize them. I mean, just with personally, when you look at yourself and just with all the time and the money we spend on ourselves rather than giving it over to the Lord and His kingdom and His work, with all the wretched thoughts that cross our minds and the sinful things that come out of our mouths and all the sinful jokes we laugh at, but we hide it in our hearts and don't actually say it. That even with our small and feeble faith, that we, as we live seemingly in fear of things that we shouldn't be afraid of, God says in Hebrews eleven sixteen that God is not ashamed to be called their God. Or as this passage in Ephesians is pointing out, God sees you as most, his most valued possession to be with him for eternity. You are the glorious riches that he inherits because of what his son did for you by faith in him. Even if your faith is small and you fumble about. You are the glorious riches of his inheritance, not because of your performance before him, not because of your progress in the faith before him, not because of your obedience before him. Trust me, you're not obedient as, as you think you are. Sin finds a way in everything. But solely because of faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on your behalf. That is what makes you so valued and treasured to him and why he takes pleasure in you. It's Christ, not you. Now that is something we need to grow more in every day, knowing his gracious favor over us by faith alone in Jesus. For that will change the way you live in this life because you know your life is fully secured in Christ in this world and the next. I mean, that is the message of the gospel that Jesus really did everything. That's the good news. Paul is making it clear that Jesus did just that. And he's praying we realize that more and more every day. You know, one person said this. If people really see that Christ 
has removed the fear of punishment from them by taking it into himself. They won't do whatever they want. They'll do whatever he wants. And that is the truth. The more you realize you have everything by faith in Christ, that he has attained everything for you, the more you will want to do what he says because you are free to do so even if you fail at doing it. Because you know that God loves, as one person said, God loves repeat offenders who have faith in Christ. And that is what gives us hope. That is the enlightenment that Paul is praying for. He prays for another one in verse 19, and we'll cover that next, next week. So God so willing. So church, let us pray to the Lord to go deeper into knowing gospel truth. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that seeing your glory drives us all to repentance, drives us to the cross, to cling to the cross with our empty hands of faith saying, oh Lord, thank you. Remove this sin from me. Help me repent of this sin. Help me repent of the selfish ways. Help me repent of not being gracious. Help me repent of not loving. Help me repent of not investing. Help me repent of not giving everything I am over to you. Lord, I pray that we pray that every day. Because, Lord, we fail at that every day. And yet you still love us. Oh, God, you are so great and merciful. I pray, Lord, that 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 is reflected in how we treat each other and how we treat the world around us. That your love, as you said, is poured into our hearts so that love can be seen. That we stop trying to do it on our own and we rely upon your power. God, I pray if someone does not know you here today, that they can come to know you and that they will be saved by putting their faith in you, saying, I am a sinner in need of grace. Lord, if anyone's struggling here in their marriages or in their relationships with their loved ones or their children or maybe struggling at their work or struggling with just their life circumstances, Lord, that you remind them that they are highly valued by you and they don't, they don't have to worry about fixing things. They just need to trust in you and you'll take care of it. And you'll enlighten them on knowing how to handle those arguments, how to handle those issues. And you'll provide peace and, and hope and joy. So they'll stop focusing on themselves and focusing on, focus on you and how to help others know you more. Oh, God, thank you for that hope. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Let's stand.